you have your Bibles here this this uh, morning, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 6. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you, and I pray that you have a wonderful Thursday, Turkey Day, and with your family and friends and, and uh, all that may be there, and may have a wonderful time in doing that. If you have your Bibles in chapter 6 of Romans, look in verse 16 with me. And uh, we'll be preaching pretty much through the chapter. But this is a tremendous masterpiece that God has given to us through his word. As we stand here this morning, and let's begin reading in chapter 6 of Romans and verse 16. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked. This is our thanksgiving right here. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning, and Lord, we understand we don't have the ability, God, nor the capability of preaching this morning without the Spirit of God. I pray you'd anoint me, Lord. I pray you'd guard my lips and my mind. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. God, I don't want to preach from the flesh. I don't want to preach today, dear God, from memory. I want to preach today, God, by the help and the power of your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that everything that might be said and done here this morning may be done and said according to thy will. God, we don't want it all this morning go against you and the what we preach and how we preach and why we preach. And God, I pray, dear God, for the here, Lord, that they would consider your will today. Consider today, dear God, what you can do for their lives. God, make it real. God, make them genuine. I pray today, Lord, that you do what only you can do. And God, we'll be thankful for it. We'll be grateful in our hearts, God, for what you've done. If you do no more than what you've already done, you've done more than we've ever deserved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So I want to preach this morning on a thought of, but God be thanked. But God be thanked today on this thought of thanksgiving. Can you thank the supreme God this morning for what he has done for you spiritually? You know, a many, a many a time when you talk about thanksgiving, you're talking about, people are talking about Physical things. Have you noticed that? Most of the time, it's something like a spouse or a family or a house or a job or money. It seems to be things in which that we can touch, things in which we can see. If it wasn't for those things that God gave us, I wonder if there would be much thanksgiving given. If you had nothing. You had nothing at all to bring forth to God and say, thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you for. But all you had was just the supreme God that you're giving thanks for, for what he has done spiritually. 
Have you given thanks to God this morning for what he's done spiritually? Have you thanked the eternal God this morning for what he has done eternally? Is there anything in your life that's been done eternally? Or is everything in our lives physically? Is it temporary? Is it the things in which we feel that we can give God thanks for are only things that we can actually taste and see and touch. I wonder how many of us this morning has bowed down before the Lord and, and with an humble heart and with a submissive will and began to give thanks unto God for what he's done spiritually and eternally. We don't think on these terms, do we? We're mostly thinking of what God has given to us in the way of things that we can see and touch i think it's an injustice though i believe it's unfair this morning uh, that we would give god so many thanks and so many thanks in which we can give to god for things that really we have gotten maybe because of hard work or maybe we have gotten because of luck or maybe because of something we've gotten through inheritance or something that we've got because of good management. Or just maybe because you got money. And yet today, how many things do we really just look down and say, Lord, you've done this for me eternally. And you've done this for me spiritually. And I want to give thanks. That's the kind of message this morning we have. We're not going to talk about anything that, that God has given to us. What he's done financially here. And yet, we can look to the Lord and say, God, you've blessed us financially. We can say nothing this morning about what God's going to do for you personally. And yet, this morning, all of us can tell the Lord, hey, you've done this for me personally. Thank you. Thank you. And he is worthy of the thanks, and he's full of gratitude in which we are to give to him. There's nothing this morning we're going to speak of that you say that God I want to give you thanks because what you've done physically. You gave me ability to be married, ability to have children, ability to have physical things. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about some things that we're going to give God thanks. And that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. But God be thanked. God be thanked for what, Paul? Spiritual. Eternal. And I want our God, I want my God, I want our God today to know that we're just not thankful for all of the things and all of the health and all of the pleasures and all of, the, of what we might have today that would uh, fill our homes and maybe will be part of our cars and, and things that we put on our bodies by the way of clothing and jewelry and uh, of those things. Uh, but we are really, as Christians this morning, real thankful for our spiritual and for our eternal. Wouldn't that be good this morning that we'd all just come to the place and say, you know, more than anything else, more than anything else that God's ever done for me in my life, I just want to be thankful for you for spiritual. I believe God would be honored with that, don't you? I believe he'd be lifted up this morning. I believe he'd be exalted. He might even meet with us this morning. He might even show up in his house 
if we would lift him up for the things he's done for eternal. Many a times today we are so temporal. We're so now and now. We're so looking to what we can get next and what we can have and more of it that we will work and work and give and do and we will set aside, we'll trade, we'll, uh, we'll have everything and anything in our lives in order to get all of these physical things. But spiritually speaking, eternal things, they get little thought. How much of our life is filled with doing things that bring us physical and bring us financial and bring us things today that we see and we touch. How much time do we put into that? How many hours we put into that? How much money we put into that? How much of, of our effort and our energy do we put into everything? And yet this morning, spiritually and eternally, it's very little. We spend very little time giving thanks unto him for our spiritual thing. If you're saved this morning, it ought to be the greatest thanksgiving you have as I'm thankful for saving my soul. That has to be this morning the greatest thankfulness above anything and everything of all things is thank you, Lord, for my eternal life. Amen? And so let's talk about that this morning. I hope that you'll stay with me and not too much looking for that turkey and dressing. And when I heard this morning as Brother Keith texted me and said, Sister Claudia has fever and uh, that she won't be here today, I looked, went right back to the page, look on that piece of paper, and it said, it said uh, dressing or, or filling or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what are we going to do now? But then the deliverer came. Sarah came in her, her, in her dressing truck and brought the dressing. Amen. She saved a day. Can you imagine having a turkey day without dressing? Man, alive. We'd have to do something special with that. Go down to Luby's and get some of Luby's dressing. We could not have a meal without a dressing. I do. And my heart is, is uh, broken for the Brother Keith and Sister Claudia not being to be here with us today on this, on this meal. But uh, I hope that they give feeling better uh, this morning. Here in the chapter 6, in Romans chapter uh, 6, and we see in verse 17, we notice the very phrase, but God be thanked. There's two points I want to bring out this morning. The first one is this, is thank God you're not what you were. Thank God you're not what you were. For what were you? Well, the Bible says in verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. You were the servants of sin. Thank God we're not the servants of sin. I mean, listen, friend, what a good start that is this morning to know that we're not the servants of sin. You know why many people are not so excited about that? You know why many just don't give a, a shout and don't stand up in, in their heart or on their feet and say, Glory, hallelujah, glory to God that I'm no longer a servant of sin anymore. It's because sin is not sinful to them. Sin is not ugly to them. Sin is not offensive to them. Sin is something kind of light. It's kind of pleasurable. It's kind of laughable. It's kind of enjoyable. 
He owes sin, you know, preacher, you get up there and talk about sin, and the Word of God talks about sin, and Mom and Dad talk about sin, and my friend talk about sin, but within me, sin's okay. I mean, I'm all right with it. A little bit of sin here, a little bit of sin there, a little bit of sin over there, a little bit of sin with my friends, and a little bit of sin by myself. It's just sin, and you know what? Uh, the next day I go on. I still get up and breathe. I still have a job. I still got a place to go. I still have food on my table. I still got clothes on my back. And I sin, and I sin again. Amen? Nothing really happens. Nothing really changes. Nothing ever just goes haywire. And yet all this hoop do about this sin thing, and I don't see it happening. Is that true? People sin, and they sin again, and, and nothing happens, and, and there's nothing goes on. They sin again, and it just seems like, you know, the problem is the church. The problem is the Bible. The problem is the parents. The problem is the spouse. Everybody else got a problem with sin, but the ones enjoying it. You're making a big deal out of it, brother. You're talking about giving thanks unto God because you're not a servant of sin any longer. Big deal, you know? And so we find this morning the attitude and, and the, the approach of sin this morning is not sinful any longer or sinful at all. Now, that word servant there, it means a slave. Now, man, when you get to a place of being a slave of anything, that's nervous, right? That's kind of concerning, ain't it, to you? We live in a free world. We live in a free nation. We live in a place where we're full of liberty. We're not slaves to anybody. We can go and do, and we're liberated in every way. And so when the Bible talks about a servant this morning, a slave, immediately in the heart of each one of us, we rebel. We'll say, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a slave to sin. I'm going to tell you right now, I can quit this cigarette. I can lay it down right now. i tell you right now, I don't have to cuss. I cuss because I want to. I can just set that aside. i tell you right now, pornography, it don't have a hold on me. i tell you right now, unforgiveness, if I really wanted to forgive, I would. But I don't want to. So you know what? That sin has no hold on me. We can go through all the sin and wickedness and depravity and vice of life and to say, listen, I have control and yet really... As a servant of sin, you're a slave. You're a slave. And until we come to the place to understand that the sin is bad and awful, and the wages of sin is death, that's misery and hell for all of eternity, but being a slave of that is devastating. Devastating. And until you can see that the servants of sin or the slaves of sin are awful you'll never be able to say thank you lord for spiritual things thank you lord for eternal things because sin is just as play as playful and pleasurable as it ever has been now can i say the words the word servant means a slave but it also means one who gives himself up wholly to another's will let me tell you that again the word servant in the Bible right here in verse 17 says servants of sin. It means one who gives himself up wholly to another's will. And when you sin, you give up. You give up to whatever that sin is this morning. You give it up wholly to the will of that sin. Whatever the sin is, when you commit it, you wholly give yourself over to that sin, making you a slave of that sin. Amen? You say, well, I didn't mean to. You still wholly gave it up. 
You say, well, I didn't want to. Well, you did anyway, and you wholly gave it up. And so we can't uh, mix words here. We can't just uh, overlook it here this morning. But that word servant means devoted to another to disregard your own interest. Let me read that again. Devoted to another to disregard your own interest. And so when you sin, the sin that you are involved in, you are a slave of it. And you have devoted yourself to it, disregarding anything that you knew was wrong or right, or if it would hurt or bring pain or suffering, or if it would go against the Word of God, go against God Himself. Matter of fact, that sin would bring approach upon God or even offense to God. You set that to the side, and because you're a slave of that sin, you committed it. Servant of sin is awful. It's ruining our nation. It's ruining our families. It's destroying our church. Did you know that? Did you know the culprit of all our problems today and the culprit of all that you are as a family can boil down to one phrase, servants of sin. It's devastating us. We are not what we used to be because of the servants of sin. Your family, Fred, I'm telling you, will find so much turmoil and so much trouble and difficulty, and your marriage will be so rock and roll until you figure out how to get rid of this being a slave to sin. We take it lightly. That's why we like thinking about giving God thanks for our meal, giving God thanks for our car, giving thanks for our pocketbook, giving thanks for our health, and all of those other subjects. That's why we like thinking on that, because when we get on this eternal thing or the spiritual thing, it makes a big difference in our lives. Servants of sin. Number one, I want you to notice concerning that. Again, thank God you're not what you were, a servant of sin. You were servants of sin by conception. Servants of sin by conception. And yet we're thanking God this morning for everybody saved this morning. I'm not a servant of sin anymore. And yet I became a servant of sin by conception. We see that in verse 19. It says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. You see, you're human. And all of us that are human will find ourselves as a servant of of sin just because you're human whenever you have a child you have a human child and you bring forth that human child back to the world you'll find that that human child will find that it is a child that is sinful amen there's nothing we can do about that there's nothing we can change that it is so the way that it is Verse 19 says, after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh, you're human. You have, friend, you're a slave to sin, and you're a slave to self. Did you know that? Do you know those children we have, when they come forth out of the mother's womb, are the selfish people? We got to teach them to share. We got to teach them to say thank you. We got to teach them uh, to, to 
let go and let, let others have part of what's taking place. They are selfish. Have you ever noticed that? That when a child comes forth as they're growing up, you have to teach them to, to not be selfish, right? Because all of us are born selfish because of sin. Sin has brought selfishness into our lives. Not only are we slaves to sin and slaves to selfishness, but we're slaves to our society. You know, the fact of the matter is we just love our world. We love the world we live in. We love America. We love Jack in a Box, and we love McDonald's, and, and we love the malls, and, and we love all the things that we have in America, right? That's just part of who we are. We love our society. We want to be part of the society. That's why peer pressure is so problematic. Well, we want to be uh, in the high echelon. Uh, we don't want to be down the lower class. We don't want to be in some other class. And we want to be above that. Uh, we want to wear the better clothes. Uh, how many times have your kids come ask you, hey, Mom and Daddy, would you go to Walmart and buy me the cheapest uh, tennis shoes I, there is out there? No, hey, could you go down there to the maybe the thrift store? And at the thrift store, could you think you might uh, search out and find me the old uh, the old uh, pants that are the sorriest pants and all? No, you know what they want? They want the high-dollar tennis shoes. Uh, they want the high-dollar jeans. They want the high-dollar shirts. Uh, they don't want the jewelry from Avery. They want the jewelry from some high-place, fluting place. They, may have, uh, they want the best. Is that true? Man, when we go everywhere, friend, we want everything the best. Don't give us the, the less, give us the best. You know why? That's the way we're born. Nobody had to teach us to do that. Nobody had to show us, hey, listen, you be selfish, and you, you, you be part of the society, and don't look like you're funny in society, and don't, don't stick out in the society. I want to be like everybody else. A lot of people wear their hairs in such a way where it's not where they really want to wear that way. They just want to wear it because everybody else is wearing it. Is that right? I mean, everybody wants to be fitting in. Everybody wants to look the same. Everybody wants to, you know, be, be cool. And everybody wants to, 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 to be hip, you know. I guess that's an old-fashioned word, oh, hip. But, you know, they, they, everything, as far as the society is concerned, uh, whatever the movies say, whatever the movie stars say, whatever the sports figures say, uh, whatever the government says, whatever and whenever they say what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, we as a society just feels right in. That was done at conception. Nobody was taught that. I promise you that. Amen. So we got to agree this morning. Thank God I'm not what I were. I was the servant of sin. And I became that servant by conception. Now, it was your human, but you was flesh. That word flesh there, which is the word infirmity. You'll find that word being meaning feeble. That your flesh was feeble. You didn't come out strong. You came out feeble. It means also frail. A frail flesh. You know, anything can hurt it. Any disease could kill it. Amen. Everything it seems like could bother it. It don't take much. You can get little rashes. I mean, you think about our bodies today. We might feel strong tomorrow. We don't feel so good. Amen. I mean, I, we're a frail people. We're a feeble people. And many times when we're young and we're strong and we think everything be okay, Fred, listen, you ain't as strong as you think you are. And you ain't as healthy as you think you are. And you ain't going to live as long as you think you are. And you ain't going to be all that you think you are. Amen. 
because basically we're just frail and feeble people. Is that true? I mean, some of us look like it. Some of us don't. Some of us act like it. Some of us don't, but the bottom, bottom line is that word infirmity, it means feeble and frail. It means fallen. The word, that word infirmity just means it means weak, sick, and it means impotent. Man, that doesn't give a good description of who we are, does it? I'm trying to build a case that why in the world would you be thanking God for spiritual things and eternal things? And I'm going to tell you why. Because you're human. And because you're flesh. And at the very best state altogether, it's vanity. The very height of in your prime, you're still feeble, frail, and fallen. <laughs> at the time of when you are the strongest, the Bible says you're the weakest. There is absolutely not one person in all the world today that can look to God, look him square in the eyes, and say anything that would cause him to be stronger, cause him to be mightier, and cause him to be larger than God or anything else around them. We find ourselves. And you say, well, I don't really understand it all. You know, I don't understand it all either, but I give you an example today like COVID. COVID came in the world and people were falling down like that was God. They were doing everything that everybody said to do so they won't catch COVID. I got COVID. You probably got COVID. And God see fit that we live. Amen. And all that was about the COVID was all about the scare of death. As a child of God, the Bible says, I pass from death unto life. Amen. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth in me should not perish, that's die, but have everlasting life. That's life for everlasting. I like that. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, we'll show you how weak and fragile and fallen that the world really is today. COVID comes up and everybody falls down. And there'll be another COVID. I wonder you don't fall down then. The fact of the matter is today our, our lives are just as a servant today, a servant of sin is because that's the way we were conceived. That kind of gives you a little hope, isn't it, when you get saved that you can give thanks unto God because this is the way I was. Now I'm not like that anymore that God would save me. Hallelujah. Can I say number two? Now you were servants of this morning of sin by conception, but you were servants of sin with choice. You chose to do that. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, to iniquity, unto iniquity. What you have done, not only were you born in that way, but you have made choice for that way. Nobody's made you sin. You sin because you choose to sin. You can make all excuses you want today. You can justify it however you want. The bottom line is you have made choice to sin. The Bible says that you have stood beside uncleanness. That word there where it talks about your members to uncleanness. Uh, yield, that word yielded there means to stood beside. You have stood beside uncleanness. When uncleanness came your way, you didn't run from it. 
when uncleanness came your way, you didn't turn your head. When uncleanness came your way, uh, you didn't rebuke it. Uh, but what you did do is you stood beside it. That's what the word yield means. You have yielded your members to uncleanness. When uncleanness came, you knew it was unclean. You know that it was a place and a situation or a substance in which you are not to partake of or look upon or you are to touch, and yet you went beside it. That's your choice that you've done. So today we become servants of sin by choice. Now the word yield means to stood beside, but the word yield means you sided with ungodliness. The Bible says in that verse 19, and to iniquity. Iniquity is ungodliness, and you yielded to it, you sided with it. You said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be part of. That's what I want to be near. That's what I want to be looking like. That's what I want to be partakers of is that ungodliness, that iniquity. And I have sided with it. Hey, they told me not to do it. They told me to stay away from it. They told me that it's going to be bad if I did. But you know what? A servant of sin is one who makes sin their choice. And you know what? I'm going to side with it. And this morning you find yourself a servant of sin, a slave to sin by your choice. Number three, we notice that it says iniquity to iniquity. As we look at it that way, it means you have stuck by unrighteousness. You stuck by it. You hold to it. You hold. You won't let it go. You, you keep on doing it. You violated God's law on purpose. You have transgressed God's word with pleasure. And you have disregarded God's commandment in pride. And this morning, your purpose and your pride, and you've done it with pleasure this morning, you have become a servant of sin gladfully. And you have done it proudfully. And you'll continue to do it. And you'll do it today. You'll do it tomorrow because you're a slave of sin. You can't help yourself. You can't stop it if you wanted to. You can't quit. You can't. You think you can, but you can't. That's why they have those patches. That's why they have those shots. That's why you've got to go through therapy. That's why you've got to go to psychiatrists and psychologists. That's why you have to go through all these counseling. That's why you have to go through all these things and rubber rooms and junk like that this morning. Because everything in society says that your sin is everybody else's problem. Your sin is everybody else's situation. Your sin is not your fault. Your sin is not what you have created. Your sin is from your parents, your bringing up, or somebody in a spouse, or somebody in a marriage, or somebody at school, somebody at church, somebody in the world, somebody in America has called you to sin and if it wasn't if they didn't do what they have done you wouldn't have done what you would done and now that all that sin that you committed is not you personally it's because everything else circumstantial people and God said you're wrong that's your choice and you've done it pleasurably you've done it on purpose and you're going to continue to do it because you're a slave of sin yeah that's right That's right. That's why you keep on disobeying your mom and daddy. Because you're a slave to sin. That's why you keep on your marriage today. You keep on trouble in your home because you're a slave to sin. That's why at work, why you always are in the 
boss's office because you're slave to sin. That's why this morning you never have freedom. You never have peace. You never have joy because you're a slave to sin. And it's by your choice. It's by your conception. Can I say here thirdly, the servants of sin is in con- condemnation. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. See, the servants of sin are condemned. There's no eternal life for you. There's no spiritual life for you. The servants of sin this morning are freed from righteousness. Do you know that? You're freed from being saved. You've been exempt from salvation. You've been liberated from salvation. Those that are servants of sin this morning are freed from righteousness. The only thing that makes us righteous as children of God is the righteousness of God. The only way that you and I can ever have a justification with God, have a relationship with God, is because of the righteousness of Christ. And yet this morning at the same time, those that are servants of sin, thank God I'm not a servant of sin any longer. That while I was, I was freed from righteousness. I was freed from right. I was freed from justification. I was freed from the grace of God. I was freed from eternal life. I was free from a spiritual Yeah, I'm just saying this morning, the servants of sin are in condemnation. Condemned. Judged. You'll never, ever see heaven. You'll never see eternal life. You'll find eternal, eternal damnation, but you'll never find eternal life. The servants of sin. Freed from righteousness. Can I say number two? The servants of sin, that's in condemnation. Not only is freed from righteousness, but look at verse 21. The fruit from sinfulness. The Bible says, for what fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. The fruit of sinfulness. The fruit of you being a servant of sin. What's the fruit of that? Well, the fruit of it is shame. You can't help to be shameful. I mean, anybody in this room, because of sin, we look back and it's shameful. There's things that we did in our lives we don't want nobody to know. Right? That might be some things you did last night you don't want nobody to know. I'm ashamed of it. And that's the the very fruit of your sin. It's always shame. i tell you something else. It's regret. It's regret. Anyone who ever commits sin, you'll find that it's regret at every stage of it. Regret at home when you're alone. Regret when you see the person that you've sinned against. Regret that you've told someone said not to like a parent. Said don't go there. Don't hang out with them. Don't do that. And you did. And now you find yourself in trouble. And you can't even look at your parents. Because you regret what you said. You regret what you did. This word shame here. It includes not only shame. But it includes regret. But it also includes guilt. The servants of sin, friend, are in condemnation. The reason why is because the fruit of their sin is guilt. You can't get rid of guilt. At night, 
you got it. You get up in the morning, you got it. You go on Saturday, you got it. On Sunday, you get up and you got it. I mean, you drink it away, and when you get sober, you got it. You smoke it away, and when you get done of your high, you got it. I mean, it just so seem like you work yourself to death. But the time of rest, here comes the guilt. Sin, friend, it will bring shame. It will bring guilt. It will bring regret. That's the condemnation of it. Sin. But thank to God that we were servants of sin. Oh, he took my guilt away. He took my regret away. Oh, he took my shame away. Oh, Jesus took it away. Thank God this morning. I tell you something else this word shame would represent, would represent pain. Sin always brings pain. It brings pain to you, and it brings pain to them. Whatever it is, sin brings pain. There's always suffering to sin. No one ever skates with sin. No one ever gets out. No one ever gets away. Whatever sin is committed, you is the one who's painful, and those that you do it with is painful. Tell you the third thing about, or about the fifth thing about sin, the memory. The memory. You just got memory of it. That's condemnation, right? Just thank all that are saved this morning. And we can say, but thank God we were sinners. We were servants of sin. Thank God we were. That's past tense. We were. Because the memory would drive us crazy. I mean, the memory of, of all the filth and the dirt and all the things that I've done that brought regret and shame and pain. And it, it just brought a guilt in my life. And I want to just rip it out of my mind. I, I want to say, I wish I wouldn't have treated my mom and daddy that way. I wish I wouldn't have stole that. I wish I wouldn't have said that to my spouse. I wish I wouldn't have, I wish I wouldn't have, I wish I wouldn't have. But the memory's there. Condemnation. That's what the servants have sinned. Or in condemnation. Servants of sin this morning is by choice. Servants of sin is by conception. And can I say here thirdly, now are you freed from righteousness and the fruit of sinfulness? But we see that verse 21, the fleeing from life. The Bible says, for the end of those things is death. For a servant of sin, the end is death. That's the end. You say, I'm not at my end yet, but it's coming. And when you do have an end, it's death. That's what you have to look forward to. That's what your expectation can be. The Word of God's never been wrong, and it's not wrong on here either. You want to be a servant of sin? The end is death. You say, well, man, maybe, maybe when I get 60 years old, the end is death. Well, maybe when I get 75, the end is death. 
It don't matter how old you are. It don't matter how far you go. It don't matter how long you go. One day, you're going to shut your eyes for the last time. You're going to breathe your last breath. You're going to lay down and become cold and hard. And they're going to come by and look at you and wag their head and say, Oh, I wish they would have changed their life. I wish they'd received Christ. I wish they became a servant of God rather than a servant of sin. Oh, they lived. But now it's death. They're in hell. They're in misery. They live their life full of guilt, full of regret, full of pain, full of memory. Right? Servant, they were fleeing from life. The end of the have those things is death. Then verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What you have earned for one sin is death and hell. And you can't ever go back and say, I didn't earn it. That's like you going back this past week and say, okay, go back to the boss. Hey, boss, hey, I know you paid me. You paid me uh, what you paid me. But I just want to let you know that I just don't really believe you paid me. <laughs> the wage of sin is death. When you committed the sin, the death is the wage. It's what you earned. For that sin, you earned death, death and hell. And it cannot be taken back. The sin's already been committed. So we find the condemnation in that. You're fleeing from life. Life, you're going that away, and you're going away from life, and you're headed to death. The wages of sin is death. The end of those things is death. And look at verse 16. The Bible says, the last portion of it, it says, you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death. How many more times does it have to say it? You want to die and go to hell? Then be a servant of sin. It's as simple as that. But this morning you can't say God be thanked that you were a servant of sin. You can't do that. But those who have can. Thank God you're not what you were. A servant of sin. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, this helped me so much because I, I, many times I get on the physical like you do. I get on the material like you do. I, I get on the horizon like you do. And, and sometimes I, I'm just losing what really matters in my heart, my life, what I really need to give God thanks for. And this morning, I, in my heart, it's just full. And it says, thank you, Lord, that I, I used to be. I was a servant of sin. Now, I still sin. But I'm not a slave of it. Amen. There's a difference. I'm glad you asked because I show it to you. Here, can I say, my, I only got two points this morning. My second point is this. Thank God you are who you are. Thank God you are who you are. Well, what are you? The Bible says in verse 18, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Man, if you're saved this morning, you have become a servant of righteousness. Thank God you are who you are, a servant of righteousness. Now, how did I become a servant of righteousness? Hold on to this now. It's by obeying. Look there in verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but I wish I, I've been saying this a long time for over 30 years, and I'm going to preach a message on thank God for buts. Because this right here has a whole lot to do with it. Look at that. But God 
bethink that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Verse 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. Thank God for those buts. We had all been in real trouble this morning. I cannot say that the servants of righteousness are by obeying. You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Now the word of God that was preached to you, it melted your heart. The Bible says that you obeyed uh, there in verse 17, but you have obeyed from the heart. In order for you to obey something, you're going to have to find that you heard something. All right? Or that you know something. You can't obey something you never heard. You can't obey something that you don't know. We find that the scripture says that you obeyed. In other words, that you, from the heart, did you obey? You didn't obey from the head. You didn't obey from the emotion. You obeyed from the feeling. You didn't obey from the outside. You obeyed from the heart. The heart, the word of God melted your heart. You say, well, how do you know it melted it? Because I want you to look at the next word. Then the heart was cast into a mold. Look at that word, form of doctrine. Form of doctrine. That word form of doctrine means this this morning. Now you need to get this because this is mildly important about salvation that not many even talk about. So here you hear the word of God. The word of God is like a fire, right? And it takes your heart as it hears it and it melts it. It takes the melted heart, according to the scripture here, the heart was cast into a mold. That word form means a die. It means a stamp. It means a shape, a style, a model, a fashion, a figure, a form, a pattern, a resemblance. That's what the word form is. So what happened is your heart now is, in fo- is formed into the teachings of Christ. Man, <laughs> this is good. You hear the word of God, your heart melts. As your heart melts, it's now cast into the form. The form of doctrine. Doctrine is the teachings of Christ. And now your heart is formed into the teachings of Christ. That's what you are now. That's why there is a security of salvation, dear brother. That's why you and I can be assured of our salvation. Because as the melting word of God put forth in my heart, I was poured into that form of doctrine. And that form of doctrine which was a die and a resemblance. And now I'm shaped. And now I'm formed. I didn't form myself. I didn't die myself. I was formed. And I was poured out, my heart was, into that die. And so I stand to you here today, not as someone that's self-made, not one who saved myself and somebody who I am because I am what I am. But I tell you why I am. Because one day my heart was melted by the Word of God and it was poured into a form of doctrine. And with my heart I obeyed. And I become saved. Now a servant of righteousness, not a servant of sin. Woo! Man! That'll help you. The heart formed into the teachings of Christ. The heart was formed into the truth of Christ. The word doctrine means truth. 
It was formed into the type of Christ. The doctrines of Christ would be the type of Christ. So how did you get to be like Jesus? Well, you was poured in the form of it. The heart was cast into the mold. Then the mold is the life of Christ. The Bible says in verse, there in that verse 16, or verse 17, which was delivered you. This was what brought forth. It's not saying something that delivered you. It's saying this is how God delivered you. He delivered you by pouring you into the mold of the doctrine of Christ. And now you become just like Jesus. And that's how you was delivered. From the servant of sin to the servant of righteousness. It was all an inner work of a burning, molding form like Jesus. And this morning, every one of us that are servants of, of righteousness can say, I did nothing. I deserve no praise. I, I can boast about anything. All I did was I, what I heard, I believed. And once I believed, and once I obeyed, man, it was history from that point on. And today... I am what I am because that's what Jesus made me. Hey, wouldn't it be good to say, but God be thanked that we were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Can I say here lastly, we'll close. I want you to notice the servants of righteousness by overcoming. Servants of righteousness by overcoming. How did you become a servant of righteousness? By overcoming. What do you mean? Well, being made free from sin. Look there in verses 1 through 5. Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore you were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Can I say this about being free from sin? There is no continuance in sin. The Bible says in verse 2 and 3, you are dead to sin. Now, let's just get real clear this morning. Once you become the servants of righteousness and delivered from the servants of sin, can you continue in sin? No. That's what the Bible teaches. If you're dead to sin, friend, how can that sin still continue in your life? You're still a servant of sin then. And not a servant of righteousness. Dead to sin. It's very clear, isn't it? Number two. Look at verse four. You are buried with Christ. What happens when you die? You're buried. So I'm dead to sin. I die to self. Die to Satan. Die to society. And now I'm buried with Christ. How can you continue in sin being buried with Christ? Now you're buried with Christ, but then you're raised up with Christ. Think of verse 4. Raised up from the dead. How can you continue in sin if you're dead to sin and you're buried with Christ and then you're risen with Christ? How do you continue in sin? I'm talking about being made free from sin. And then you begin to live in the newness of life. Verses 
5. Verse 4 at the end says, we also should walk in the newness of life. And verse 5 says, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Raised up with Christ and then walking and living in the newness of life. How can you continue in sin like that? The answer is you can't. You're free, made free from sin. That's why we can say, thank you, God. Thank you. I don't have to live in sin. And I'm dead to sin. Oh, can I say secondly, there is not any continuance of sin, but there's no indulgence of sin. The Bible says in verse 6, knowing this, that your old man is crucified. The old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. He's not talking in light terms here, friend. You can't justify yourself living in sin this morning. It's contrary to God's word. To say that you are a servant of righteousness and live in sin and indulgence of it is a lie. The Bible says in verse 6, we should not serve sin. You see that? Look at the bottom of it. We should not serve sin. Verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Verse 13. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. I mean, there's absolutely no justification at all, dear sinner friend. If you say you're saved, you're saying I'm a, I'm a servant of righteousness, and yet sin is in your life. As one this morning who you're not dead to. Thirdly, there is no dominance of sin. Verse 14 and verse 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And the reason why there's no dominant sin is because of the grace of God. And that word there, that word dominance means Lord. And so what the Bible's teaching us is this, is because of the grace of God, sin is not Lord anymore. When you're not saved, sin is Lord. But now you're saved by the grace of God. Sin is not Lord. Sin is not the rule. Sin is not the authority. You cannot. The word dominion means lordship over. The Bible says sin shall not have lordship over you. Lastly, it's because of the gift of God. Verse 23. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We live with him. Verse 9 says we die. He dieth no more. And that means we die no more. Verse 10 says he liveth unto God. That means we live unto God. Verse 11 says he's alive unto God. That means we're alive unto God. Not only being made free from sin, but we're, made, we're being made servants of God. Verse 22 says, but being made servants of God, but now being made free from sin, you become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Here's how it works. You get obedience unto righteousness. Righteousness unto holiness. Holiness unto everlasting life. 
and everlasting life unto eternal life. That's how it works. No, there's no other way to get there except that way. Thank God that he has saved me. And I was a servant of sin. But because I obeyed the form of doctrine that was delivered unto me, I'm now the servant of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I pray this morning, as we tried to do our very best to show you about these truths of God's Word, what a masterpiece Romans chapter 6 is. Are you tired of being a servant of sin? Won't you come this morning and just obey the Lord? Let the Word of God just melt your heart today and be poured into the form of doctrine into Jesus Christ. In that farm, you'll find eternal life. Would you come? You might be a church member. You might be a visitor. You might have been here a long time. Won't you come this morning? You sing, Brother George. Won't you come? I'm a servant of sin. I'm a servant of sin. I know that's what I am. I, I want to be a servant of God. Can't be both. Got to be one or the other. I want to be servant of righteousness. Won't you come? Come, friend. There'll be no greater day than when you can look up to the heaven and say, Lord, thank you for the spiritual things you did in my life. Thank you for the eternal things you did. Thank you, Lord. If all you got is physical, material, fleshly, you don't have much. Can you honestly say, Lord, thank you for the eternal things, these spiritual things? Yes, Lord, please. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. What a blessing you are. Glory to your name. Yes, amen. But George, will you dismiss us this morning, my brother? Let's, we'll meet in the fellowship hall and eat, okay?